Good morning, church. Are we awake this morning? Let's stand and sing. We serve an everlasting God. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. We're so glad that you're here on this very special day, Father's Day. We want to wish those fathers um, happy Father's Day and those men that um, aren't fathers but have made a great influence on people's lives. 
What a happy day it is to um, be in the Lord's house this morning. If you're a guest, we ask that you fill out the blue communication card in your worship guide. And at the end of the service, you can go to the back and um, Pastor Stewart will be at the back and you can receive a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. And if you're a regular church member, as always, you can fill out the back, the prayer request, and we pray for those throughout the week. We're so glad you're here this morning to worship our God and our Savior. Pray with me this morning. God, what an awesome day it is. It's so beautiful outside, and we're reminded of your goodness. And God, we thank you that we get to celebrate our fathers on this special day. Lord, be with them. Help them to have a wonderful day. And God, be with us as we meet with you today, God. May we hear from you a word that you want to speak to us. And may we apply it to our hearts and our lives as we go out these doors into a lost and dying world. Help us to worship you freely and fully this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we have good days and we have bad days. But true joy comes from the Lord. Amen. It's the only place we can really get joy is from the Lord. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Let's stand this morning as we sing this joy that I have.
God, for a heavenly father, no matter what kind of relationship you had with your earthly father, we have a great heavenly father. This is my father's home, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and around me rings the music of the spheres. This is my.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and the many blessings of life. Father, what a great song that we sang just now. Father, we all know that you are our Father. You're the creator of everything that we have. Father, we just thank you for all the blessings you've provided to us. And we know, Lord, that we don't deserve any of them. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his virgin birth, his perfect life, his resurrection after the crucifixion. Father, we ask you to bless these tithes and offerings that we're about to collect. Father, we know everything is yours, and we just thank you for all those blessings. Forgive us for our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God of the day 
of us fathers really understood the joy of being a father until the moment we saw our child for the first time, and especially when we held that firstborn child in our arms. In that moment, the role of father crashes in upon us. The, the moms get a little jump on us. They carry the baby for nine months. They become very attached, and we do to an extent, but there's nothing like that moment for a dad when that first child is born. The future is a blank slate. We could never guess in that moment what is to come in the years to come, and we don't know what that sweet baby will grow into. But you also don't know how you will do as a dad either. You hope you'll do great or maybe at least okay, but you really don't know. So you try to prepare and, and maybe you do like I did. You, you think about what your dad did or you pick up a book here and there and you read those books or you find yourself paying more attention to the dads around you who are already practicing what you're about to do. You need an example and you realize that and, and a perfect example is what you're looking for but, but as you read the book, the writer talks about some of his mistakes and you think about your dad and no matter how great he was, he wasn't perfect and as you look around, there are some guys who are doing pretty well but then you realize they don't have it down either. They're just kind of trying to figure it out as they do as well and so then maybe you have this brainstorm. You say, I know, I, I know what I'll do. I'm a, I'm a Christian dad. I'll go to the Bible. And I bet in the Bible, I'll find a perfect example of a dad. But when you look at the human dads in Scripture, you come up a bit shorthanded. I mean, think about some of the heroes of the faith. I mean, start with Adam, the very first man, the very first Dad, He was a pioneer of the whole thing, right? So he had no example except God. He had no family. He had no parents. He had no friends. He had no childhood. He realized uh, that, that he needed a companion. God saw that that wasn't good. And so God created Eve for him. And, and they had a perfect companionship. But, but Adam failed big time as the spiritual leader of his family. He didn't step in to stop Eve from eating the fruit and even blamed her when he ate himself. And so sin spiraled out of control pretty fast after Adam let sin come into the world. And by the next chapter, his son, one son's killing another. And there's lots of heartache in that family. And one thing's for sure, Adam was no perfect example of a father. You fast forward a bit to Noah. He's probably the next celebrity on the Bible stage. And Noah, Noah was a righteous man. And God chose him to reboot all of creation. I mean, God looked around and the thoughts of man were only evil all the time. And, and God chose Noah. And so that's pretty cool. But in Genesis 9, the Bible 
tells of Noah's only recorded sin. You see, Noah became drunk and passed out in his tent, making his, himself an embarrassment to his sons. And the story reminds us that even the godliest of people have weaknesses and fall to temptation and sin. And it also reminds us that Noah was not a perfect father. Fast forward to Abraham, the father of Judaism and Christianity. I mean, surely, surely Father Abraham is the perfect example. And Abraham did pass some amazing tests. I mean, he, he, he passed some amazing tests of faith, but he was impatient. He was fearful. He had a tendency to lie under pressure, calling his wife a sister. He tried to make God's promises of a son come about by sleeping with his wife's handmaiden. So Abraham is a mighty man of faith whom God used in spite of weaknesses, but he's no perfect example of a father either. So how about Abraham's son Isaac, the, the son of the promise? I mean, he was faithful to God, but, but he, he showed favoritism towards his son Jacob over his son Esau, and that unfairness caused a split in the family. So then Isaac's son Jacob, he took after his father, again, a man of faith who was greatly used by God, but he was no perfect father. He deceived others for his own gain. He, he took favoritism to the nth degree with that whole story about Joseph and the coat of many colors. So he's no perfect example as well, so... And that's the patriarchs. I mean, let's pick somebody else. So we fast forward all the way to King David. I mean, there's a, a man after God's own heart. He unified the nation, wrote a lot of psalms, was a great guy. But we know he committed adultery. He conspired for murder. He was sometimes lax as a father, not disciplining his children when they needed it. And as a result, there was rebellion in his family. And so King David's not a perfect example either. There are a lot of other Old Testament fatherhood examples, but these are probably depressing enough. The New Testament has fewer examples, but they're not much better. We can look at any number of human fathers in the Bible and not one of them is perfect. We can glean principles here and there from their lives, but there's no one that we can say, well, there is a perfect example. Do exactly like him and, and you'll do great. In fact, we usually glean our lessons from their mistakes more than from their victories. Compared to some of them, even most of them, I mean, you and I look amazing as dads. So if there are no, if there are no perfect examples of dads in Scripture, here's something to think about. God doesn't expect perfection from us as dads. If he did, there would be an example. But that's good news because all of us as dads have already blown it at some point. It doesn't take long in your fatherhood journey to realize you win some and you lose some. Right by the best dad ever trophies are the times you wish you could have a do-over. And thankfully, God knows that fathers struggle with all kinds of things and different ones of us struggle with different things, but we all struggle with something. And from time to time, we fail in whatever area we struggle or if we don't exactly fail, we fall short of where we'd like to be. But I want you to hear this today. God knows you struggle. Dad, God doesn't expect perfection from you. In fact, you and I are incapable of perfection on our own. Only God is capable of perfection. 
So if perfection is not expected of us, what does God really want from us as dads? What is his goal? I think it's one word. He wants relationship. God wants to have not perfection in us, but he wants us to have a relationship with him first and foremost. If you have that, if I have that, we can manage the waters of fatherhood fairly well. While there are no perfect examples of fathers in scripture, there are lots of examples of fathers with relationships with God. In fact, all of those guys we just surveyed had a relationship with God. In fact, most of them had a really close relationship with God, but they failed. And even though when they failed, that relationship with God sustained them and, and they leaned in on that relationship all the more. So dads, our relationship with God must be of first importance. For some reason, a lot of guys kind of shift that over to their spouses. And maybe it's, we think, spirituality is kind of a girl thing. Perhaps one too many doilies in church or too many flower arrangements has made us think a relationship with God is a thing for the ladies. But God desires a relationship with you. And in case you're wondering, God isn't a sissy. God is powerful, he's mighty, and he is incomprehensible just as he is compassionate and loving and merciful. He's a victorious warrior as, as much as he is a caring shepherd. We speak of, of a guy being a man's man. Well, God is a man's God as well. And he wants a relationship with you. We dads, we need that relationship. So what does that relationship look like? What what form does this relationship God wants to have with us take? Well, I think it's pretty simple. It's the relationship we celebrate today, and that is Father. God wants to be our Heavenly Father. That closest relationship one man can have with another, it's a relationship of love and trust. It's a relationship in which teaching occurs and discipline is firm. It's a relationship that brings protection as well as comfort. God is our father and that's what he wants his relationship with you and me as fathers to look like as well. Now from our standpoint in history, we're not surprised to hear God called father. I mean, we've been singing songs like this is my father's world since we were kids. And so we think nothing about it, but to know God as father and to call him and relate to him as such, well, that's something Jesus taught us. Before Jesus, that kind of close relationship with God was virtually unheard of. If you go through the Old Testament, you find allusions to God as Father, but no one really refers to him that way in a personal manner. For example, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 31 says, There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. There's an allusion to God as Father, God acting like a father, but... It's not really called father. Perhaps the closest we get to something like that is a psalm where, uh, is, is actually where we see Isaiah, not a psalm, calling God father in passages like Isaiah 64, 8, where he says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. God's acknowledged as father, but not so much addressed as such. But then came Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, taught us how to pray. And when he did, he said, pray in this way, when you pray, our Father. 
Now again, that seems like no big deal to us. Nothing, nothing mind-blowing about that. There was a deacon who prayed in my home church growing up, and every third or fourth word was Father. He'd say, we thank you, Father, for this day, Father. Thank you for being here, Father. And we hear it. There's nothing new to hearing Father in prayer. But to the Jews of Jesus' day, this intimate, personal way of approaching God was unheard of. In his book, The Prayer of Jesus, which deals with the Lord's Prayer, Ken Hemphill says this, there was more reverent fear and distance in the mind of the first century Jew when they thought of God. They would not have dared to address him with such an air of familiarity as Father. Yet Jesus prayed like this regularly. In fact, every one of his prayers that are recorded in the Bible except one begins with him saying, Father. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he addressed God in the closest of ways. There, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father. You probably know Abba is basically like our daddy. So Jesus spoke to his father the way we speak to our dads in the tender, trusting, respectful manner you know is good. And that's how we should as well. Now, as Chris mentioned earlier, you, you may not have had or have that kind of relationship with your earthly father. But Jesus encourages us to have that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father. By teaching his disciples to pray in this way, Jesus was authorizing them and us to relate to the sovereign God of the universe with the intimacy of a child climbing up into his daddy's lap, throwing his arms around his neck and telling him, I love you. I was reminded of this kind of intimacy of father and and son, father and child. Recently, one night while Rebecca was at a meeting, I was rocking our youngest son, Evan, after his bath. And, and our oldest son, Zach, got through with his bath. And he came in the living room and he looked at me rocking Evan. And he said, Evan, that's my spot. And so I moved Evan over to the left side. And Zach sat on the right side. And I couldn't breathe and I couldn't see. But I got to feel that love of my boys. And I got to give them that love as their dad. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray to their heavenly father in a personal relationship with him, it was revolutionary to first century Jews. A personal relationship with God, can that, can that really be? Jesus' answer was yes. God longs to be your father in a close, personal relationship. So what does this father-son relationship look like? Well, to help us understand what that can look like, I, I want to consider several passages where the Bible speaks of God as Father. And to help us have something to kind of hang that on, I want to use some of the images from the graphic. This is a stock graphic that, from a service we subscribe to. But as I started looking at the images, I thought, those can capture what we're talking about. The first is sonship. You have a father who loves you. You know, there's a great privilege of sonship. Most boys want to be like their dads, and that's why I chose a tie to capture this. Whether it's, it's dressing like dad or doing things like dad or just being with dad, we want to be like dad. And that's, that's because that relationship shows love. We long to hear our dad say, I'm proud of you, son, or that's my boy. And those of us who have lost our fathers miss hearing that. There is a privilege of sonship. But the privilege of sonship that comes from our relationship with God is even greater. Consider this passage. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
I love how that word says that he lavished his love on us so that we could be called children of God. And the result then of that lavished love is the privilege of being a child of God. Romans 8, 15 says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And with that relationship, comes the benefit of relationship. Psalm 103, 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear them. He, he doesn't smite us when we do something wrong. He, he picks us up, he dusts us off, and he helps us go again. So how do we get this relationship of sonship? How do we enjoy that kind of relationship where we're walking with God and we're enjoying that fellowship with him? Well, we get it by trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. John 1, 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. As we sang this morning, I have a father. Dad, maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So you've never been able to enjoy the privilege of sonship. You don't really know what it's like. Well, I pray that you will not leave here today without getting right with God. Today, admit your need for him to forgive your sins. Confess your faith in him, committing your life to him as your your leader, your Lord. Become a son of God. Be able to declare that I have a father. Not only do we have in this relationship and a relationship of sonship, but there's also a relationship of protection. You have a father who's strong enough to protect you. My dad was a, a big guy and I always felt safe in his presence, whether that was in a new setting or in an unfamiliar area of the woods hunting, whatever it was, dad provided that sense of safety. And that's typically the case for, for most kids. Now, I chose a hammer for this um, graphic only because there was not a gun. Um, Obviously, somebody in a big city somewhere in the north made this graphic because if anybody in the south had made it with Father's Day images, there would be a gun or something related to hunting. Uh, So we go with a hammer in protection. Dad just beats off whatever comes at us, right? So God, God provided more protection and provides more protection than our black belt or military trained earthly fathers could ever provide. Because not only does he protect, but God goes after us. In Matthew 18, Jesus shares a a bit of a parable. He says this, he says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Whenever you and I are in distress, God comes to our aid. He's there as a loving, strong father to protect us, to rescue us. Your earthly father may have abandoned you, but your heavenly father will never abandon you. God told his people this through Isaiah. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. You have a father who is strong, who's strong enough to protect you. 
But the relationship with God as father also involves conversation. You have a father who longs to spend time with you. To most of us, love equals time. A lot of us guys have that built into us, especially when it comes to our relationship with our dads. We just want to be with them and and sense love when we're together. And so that's why we do ball games together. And that's why we hunt together. And that's why we do those things. And so whether that's sharing a cup of coffee as the image demonstrates or going to that ball game or going on that hunting trip or whatever it is, the conversations that happen in those times make our relationship with our dads sweet. As I thought about this this week, I remembered that one of the best hunting trips my dad and I ever had, we never got out of the truck. It was, uh, I'd come home during my first semester of seminary, as I recall, and we had set out on a Saturday morning to go squirrel hunting, as we already always had. It was our first time to get to do that this year, and so we headed out to where we normally hunted, and it was threatening to rain that morning, and it sprinkled on us a little bit as we drove out to the woods, and we parked where we always parked to get out, and it started just pouring down, and Dad said, well, we'll just wait out the rain and see what's going to happen, and so we sat there, and we started talking, and for the next 45 minutes or an hour, we talked about whatever topic came up, and we had a pretty good time and finally we decided we needed to give up. It obviously was going to keep on raining and so we turned around and headed home. And these 19 years later, I don't remember the conversations we had in that truck that morning, but I do remember distinctively thinking, I'm glad it rained this morning because I had some uninterrupted time with my dad and now I don't have that time with my dad. Conversation with our Heavenly Father is one of the richest parts of our relationship with them. He longs to spend time with us, and we do that through reading His Word where He speaks to us, prayer where we speak to God and He speaks to us, and worship where we enjoy His presence and we communicate with Him as well. When you pray, be sure to listen for what God is saying. You know, too often in prayer, we do all the talking. We just rattle off what we want to say and then amen and we go off about our day. But prayer is a conversation with God. We need to hear from him as well. So listen for what God is saying. I was praying with someone recently and they said, they, they fin- kind of finished praying and then they said, now Lord, if there's anything else you want to say about this, we're listening. And then they paused and then they went on and closed out the prayer. And I thought, this preacher just learned a lesson in prayer. Wait. Listen. God longs to converse with us. Matthew 6, 6 talks about getting alone with God. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Dad, I encourage you to get alone with your heavenly father this week. Spend time in prayer with him. Talk to him. Listen to him. It'll make a tremendous difference in your life. Our heavenly father also not only provides conversation, but he provides discipline. We have a father who loves us enough to discipline us. There are two purposes to discipline. One is to correct and one is to guide. The negative side, the corrected side, means we take away what should not be there. The positive side is to guide what should be there. And so I selected the razor for this because when you shave, you cut off what you don't want and you trim up what you do want. And that's a good picture of discipline. Take off what's not supposed to be there and trim up and straighten what should be there. 
While parts of discipline may not be pleasant, the end result is great and it is good and necessary in everyone's life. Consider this passage, Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not, rebuke his, do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. You have a father who loves you enough to discipline you and thank God that he challenges you, he redirects you and he shapes you. You also have a God of provision. You have a father who provides for you. I chose a grill for this because it had to do with food and usually on Sunday mornings we're hungry. But perhaps some of you dads will fire up the grill today. My dad was a barbecue master. I have his rub recipe, I know what he did, but I have not yet been able to master what he did. Dad had a way of providing wonderful meals for us and other things as well. I was never without as a kid. I didn't always get what I wanted, like an Atari, a Nintendo, Nintendo a Michael Jackson record. Well, I digress, but I always was well provided for. Mom and dad provided a lot for me and I could never repay them. But as good as my dad and my mom were, were, were for providing for me, God provides for us to an even greater degree. Can you think about it for just a moment? Consider this passage, Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God's providing for all the creatures of the field. Do you think he won't provide for you as a son or a daughter? And God will give you the good things you ask for. Matthew 7, which of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In fact, anything good that comes into your life is from God. James says in James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So think about God who wants to have a relationship with you as your father. You have a father who provides for you. You have a father who loves you enough to discipline you. You have a father who longs to spend time with you. You have a father who's strong enough to protect you. A father who loves you. And that father is God. William Wordsworth once said, Father, to God himself, we cannot give a holier name. God is a perfect example, but he doesn't expect perfection from you. What he expects from you is relationship. And so dad, if, if you wanna be a better dad, get closer to your heavenly dad. Get closer to your heavenly father because he will make all the difference. May we pray together. Our father God, we come before you this morning thanking you that you are our heavenly father and that you are a good father and that you love us and you desire a close and personal relationship with us. And so God, I pray for all of us in this room. First, I pray for those of us who are believers and I pray God that we would draw closer to you as our heavenly father, that we would want to pursue that relationship with you so that it's closer and better than ever. I pray God for those in this room who have yet to ever trust you as their Lord and savior. And I pray Holy Spirit that right now, you're moving in this room and you're, you're pointing that out and you're saying you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God, make that readily apparent. We trust you.
to move in this place and guide us during this time. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray that you'd write it upon our hearts now, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.